Turn in your Bibles this morning to Exodus chapter number 1. Exodus chapter number 1. I, I want to mention about that that trip uh, to Israel. I don't want there to be any confusion. That's not a wall ridge thing, but it's uh, somebody Don and Nikki Decker know uh, pretty well, and, and he's getting a trip together. And so if you've ever hoped to do it, that might be a good opportunity to do so. And uh, there's information back there on the bulletin board. I encourage you to be sure, if you're interested in that, take a look at that. I also want to say Happy Mother's Day. Uh, to all of the ladies that are in the room, and um, we were talking about it in Sunday school, and I have a habit of wishing all the men Happy Mother's Day as well, and uh, I think that, that listen, I was doing, I was, I was wishing men Happy Mother's Day before it was cool, amen, and uh, apparently now that's the going thing in society, and, uh, but I, I was doing that before it was cool, and uh, Taylor Doss, uh, I don't know if I'll get him in trouble saying this, I, I told him, he said, hey, they wouldn't be mothers without us men, amen? So he said that, he sits He sits right over here, that's him, the blue checked shirt over there, just want you to know that. Exodus chapter number one, what a blessing it is to be in the house of God this morning, and I don't always preach according to a holiday. Um, there's been times, I remember a couple of years ago, I, on Mother's Day, we preached about that concubine that got murdered and cut up in the book of Judges on Mother's Day, amen? And uh, that's, that's a good way to, uh, yeah, amen. But, uh, but the, you know, if God gives me a message along those lines, then we want to do the mind of God, and He has done that this morning. Exodus chapter number one, I'd like to uh, preach to you about two women who are not mothers, but I want to preach to you about their life and about motherhood and about something that God did through and in their lives. Exodus chapter number 1, verse number 15. The Bible says this, and The king of Egypt spake to the Hebrew midwives, of which the name of the one was Shifra, and the name of the other Pua. And he said, When ye do the office of a midwife to the Hebrew women, and see them upon the stools, if it be a son, then ye shall kill him. But if it be a daughter, then she shall live. But the midwives feared God and did not as the king of Egypt commanded them, but saved the men children alive. The king of Egypt called for the midwives and said unto them, Why have ye done this thing and have saved the men children alive? The midwives said unto Pharaoh, Because the Hebrew women are not as the Egyptian women, for they are lively and are delivered ere the midwives come in unto them. Therefore God dealt well with the midwives, and the people multiplied and waxed very mighty. And it came to pass, because the midwives feared God, that he made them houses. And Pharaoh charged all his people, saying, Every son that is born ye shall cast into the river, and every daughter ye shall save alive. Let's pray together. Father, we love you this morning. Thank you for this day and what we're celebrating. Lord, thank you for mothers and the impact that they've had in our lives. Lord, continents have been conquered and nations moved and the world shaken by godly mothers that carried out the duty and calling of motherhood in their life. Lord, we are conscious not just to thank you, Lord, for every good supper that was fixed and not just to thank you for every skint knee that was bandaged, but Lord, to thank you for the the impact, the earth-shattering impact that they have had in our lives and in shaping the world around us. Lord, we, we thank you. We know they are a gift from you, and we are mindful to thank you, Lord, for your goodness and grace, not just for them, but, Lord, for all that you've done for us. Thank you for Christ. Thank you for salvation. Thank you for Calvary, Lord. And what a precious thing it would be on this Mother's Day Sunday if there's one under the sound of my voice, lost and undone, to see that most desperate of need, the need of Christ, and to come to you and be saved. Lord, I pray it be so. I pray that you'd work mightily in this service 
service today. Lord, I love you, and I ask it in Christ's name. Amen. I want to preach to you for a few moments this morning about these two Hebrew midwives by the name of Shifra and Pua. Now, we know when we approach this passage that these women are not mothers. And yet they are featured largely in this text as being the heroes of the day. Now, you might say, well, preacher, that's interesting, but we don't really know anything about them. And I would say that's almost true. We don't know much about their age. We know their occupation. And I believe we understand their uh, ethnicity and nationality. I believe when the Bible calls them Hebrew midwives, not just saying these women were midwives for the Hebrews, although that is implied as well. But given that they have Jewish names, I think it's likely that these are Hebrew women. They are slaves in the land of Egypt. And they have given their life to this work of being a midwife. But there's a little more we can understand about them just in a glance at our text. Notice a few things with me. First, consider their names. Names have great significance in the Bible. They're not accidental. People were named things for a deliberate reason. And it's interesting what their names mean. The name Shifra means fairness or clearness, brightness or garnish. The name Pua means splendid. It has the idea of to glitter or to have brilliancy. And you say, well, preacher, what does that tell us? It tells us this, that these were beautiful women. They were women who no doubt could have found some other means of labor in life, no doubt. Although the Hebrews are slaves, they could have probably very easily married into a home, had a husband, and maybe they did have husbands. But they could have no doubt lived a life that didn't involve the labor and vocation and arduous work that they had invested their time in. Uh, I can speak personally from my years as a midwife. Somebody say amen to that. But... Anybody that's been around uh, birthing and anybody that's been around uh, the experience and event of a child coming into the world knows that it is not easy work. Not only for the mother, of course, but also for those in attendance. And at this time in human history, it would have been a dangerous and arduous and difficult task. It would have meant late nights. Don't you know, most babies love to show up in the middle of the night. Amen. It would have meant long nights. It would have meant long hours and much work and much labor. And they didn't have to do that. These women could have no doubt found themselves in a social station that would not have required that. And we can gather that from the fact that these were beautiful women. Verse 17 tells us this about them. The midwives feared God and did not as the king of Egypt commanded them. I would say this, they were not only beautiful, evidently they were brave. I don't think you understand what it means to stand before the king of Egypt. You understand he is not just a figurehead. He is not just some sort of royal symbol of of dominance. He is not just somebody that is a politician or a bureaucrat. But in the land of Egypt, he was reckoned as a god. He was viewed as God incarnate. He literally is a man that has the power of life and death over all those under his domain. And these women had the courage to stand and before Him to face Him irrespective of the consequences. I'll tell you this, there's probably a lot of men that would not have had the nerve to do what they did that day. These are not timid individuals. These are not uh, fearful individuals. They were brave. But then there's another thought that strikes me, and verse number 21 sort of implies this. I want you to notice it. It says this, And it came to pass, because the midwives feared God that He made them houses. Now, the phrase made them houses does not just denote the constructing of a home, but what it implies is that he granted to them children and a family and a lineage. 
I don't know about you, but for God to give them a family, that strongly implies to me that until this day, they had had no family. Certainly would not be unusual throughout the course of human history for women who were not able to have children to engage in labor in this work of being a midwife. And it suggests to me this, they were not only beautiful and brave, but evidently they were barren. They were cursed with that which amongst women often is seen as the most deep and dark and scourging of afflictions. And you imagine the angst they must have felt as they watched child after child birthed into this world and never being able to have their own child. These women had no children of their own. But think with me for a moment of the choice they made in their vocation. They, though they had no children of their own, they gave their lives for the birth and health of other women's children. So preacher, what are you getting at this morning? Well, I'm saying this, these women who are the heroes of this story, these women who teach us so much about motherhood, were not really mothers at all. In fact, we could say this, they may not have been mothers in body, but they were mothers in heart. Can I tell you this, some of the most precious and sweetest and most maternal women that you'll ever meet in your life are women whom God has never blessed with children. But rather than letting it bitter them, they've let it better them, and they've chosen to use what no doubt feels like an emptiness or a void in their life as an opportunity to reach out to and to minister to other children who have a deep need of love and of affection in their lives. I think it's funny, we always preach, and I'll be honest with you, I don't know if a pastor would be honest enough to tell you this, but I don't know what I'm doing, so I'll tell you it anyway. Us preachers always feel a little bad when you come along Mother's Day and Father's Day. You look across the room and you know people, their hearts and their struggles. And you know that there's people you're preaching to about being a father that have never been a father and likely never will be. There's women who you're preaching to about being a mother who have never been a mother and likely never will be. And you often feel in yourself, although there's joy on a day like today, how bitter it must be to sit in a Mother's Day service and think to yourself, you know, that's not something I'll ever experience. But when I read this passage and when I read about these women, I read about women who did not allow that to stop them from God using them to impact the lives of those around them. And I'm here to tell you this morning, you say, Preacher, God's never blessed me with that. God's never allowed that for me. I wish He had, but He never saw fit. But I'm here to tell you, you may never be a mother in body, but you can be a mother in heart to those that are around you. Think about a few things that these women did, the context of their labor and vocation, and think about the impact that a mother, whether a natural mother or an adoptive mother, can have in the life of a child if they'll open their heart to them. Look with me at verse 16. The Bible gives us the instruction that Pharaoh gives to these women. He says this, When ye do the office of a midwife to the Hebrew women, and see them upon the stools, if it be a son, then ye shall kill him, but if it be a daughter, then she shall live. In this little verse, we have encapsulated the cruelty of the world. Can I tell you, we live in a cruel world. We live in a world that is vicious. We live in a world that is hostile. We live in a world that hates family and hates children and hates the fact that God has created man in His image and that God desires for man to know Him and to be saved. I mean, we live in a world that seeks because the God of this world hates mankind. We live in a world that seeks to destroy its own at every turn. We live in a society drunk on the murder of unborn children. 
Every society throughout human history at some point or another has dabbled with or gotten drunk on human sacrifice. And our society is no different today. Let me tell you something, the life of children is cheap in the world that we live in today. And we can look at the savagery of Pharaoh, but it compares nothing to what goes on in Planned Parenthood clinics all over our country. It compares nothing to the callousness and cruelty of politicians who so quickly would throw away an entire generation on the altar of self-interest and self-service. It reminds us of this world's attitude towards young people. And I tell you this, if ever there was a day that young people needed parents, it's today. And if ever there was a day that young people needed a mama that would love them and would care for them, it's today. And you say, preacher, God hasn't blessed me with any children. And I got news for you. There's children walking all over God's green earth who don't have nobody that loves them and that cares about them. And all the difference it could make to have somebody that would say, I'm in your corner and I love you and I want to help you and encourage you. What is the plan, the designs of this world upon young people? I see three things. I see, number one, the world designs their destruction. Uh, Pharaoh, he didn't even bat an eye. He said, everyone that is a male, slay. We understand the context of why he did this. He was beginning to grow nervous about the development and advancement of the Hebrew people. He was beginning to say, one of these days our enemies will invade us. And, and when they do, our, our, our slaves, the Hebrews, will turn and will fight with them and will overthrow us. Listen, it reminds me, this isn't even in my message, but I'm going to say it. You know, part of the problem is in society, children are viewed as one of two things, either a weight or a weapon. And listen, there's a reason our government is nervous about nuclear family. There's a reason our government is nervous about children being raised up outside of the ecosystem of government programming. Because they understand how dangerous it is to tyranny to allow young people to be shown the truth of God's Word. So they're doing everything Pharaoh. He understands he's not an idiot. He understands that if he allows these boys to be born, then they're going to grow. And if they grow, they'll become men. And if they become men that have been raised by godly mothers and fathers, they represent a threat to his authority. So he orders their destruction. I see not only their destruction was in mind, but I see their deception was in mind. Now, something I think people miss in the reading of this text is exactly the instruction that Pharaoh is giving here. Now, by the end of the passage, he's going to command that all of the males born just simply be cast into the river. But at this point, that's not the instruction he gives. He tells the midwives, he says, when ye see the women upon the stools, in other words, when they are giving birth to their children and that, that child begins to be born and you see that that child is a male, he says, I want you to take it and break its neck, kill it immediately. You say, oh, that's scandalous. It, it's a lot more humane than what they do in, in, in those clinics. And it's all evil. Don't misunderstand me. It's all evil. But I'm saying if that turns your stomach, don't ever watch a video of what they do to unborn children. You'll lose your lunch. And rightly so if you got any humanity. And, and, and so what he's saying is he's saying the moment you see it's a male son, here's what you do. You take and you kill it immediately. And then you allow that child to be born and tell the mother, I'm sorry, the child did not survive its birth. This is the reason that later on they give the explanation whenever Pharaoh says, why are you allowing this? They say, well, the, the Hebrew women are lively and, and, and they give birth before we ever arrive there. See, Pharaoh had not given the instruction to just openly commit genocide on these children. He had been saying, I want you to do it in subterfuge. I want you to do it in subtlety. I want you to do it in secrecy. 
Can I tell you this? Hey, listen, in other words, he's saying, I want you to kill their children and trick them into thinking that nothing out of the ordinary has happened. I'm going to say that again. I want you to kill their children and deceive them into thinking nothing out of the ordinary has happened. If that's not a picture of the world we're living in today. I was sitting there. I don't watch a lot of television. I, the, not unless Andy Griffith's on. Somebody say amen to that. And I, but, but we, we watch and, and a commercial came across and it was chilling. It was a Planned Parenthood commercial and it was chilling how normalized they were seeking to make it. I mean, it looked like one of these, you know, antacid pill commercials that you'd watch, you know. And even those make me nervous. <laughs> Amen. But, I mean, it was chilling how normalized it had become. And I thought to myself, we look at ancient civilizations and wonder how could they have ever been so savage. But the reality is this. Hey, listen, Satan has always dressed his ministers up as angels of light. He's always beautified it. He's always normalized it. And they're, in their day, they did it. In this day, they're still doing it. And the idea is to mass deceive an entire generation. I'm, I'm telling you this, and the entire family would have gone on believing that what had happened was normal. Are you listening? Sister, sister would have thought it was normal. Mama would have thought it was normal. Daddy would have thought it was normal. They would have never until one day they woke up two generations down and said, where did all the men go? You listening to what's happened in our society? You listening to what's... I thought it was Mother's Day. I'm supposed to be preaching on motherhood. Amen. Are you listening to what has happened in society? Until two, three generations pass and somebody looks around and says, where's all the men at? It's where we're headed. It's where we're headed. I would say this, in a world that is corrupted through deception and lies and manipulation and spin and propaganda, children need a mama that will tell them the truth. Need a mama that'll love them and be truthful with them, that'll love them more than the applause and praise of men, that will love them more than maintaining the social status quo, that will love them more than fitting into the world's ecosystem. They need somebody that loves them enough to break through the deception. Can I tell you something? I know you, you mamas, you think your kids never listen to you, and that's about half true, but they hear more than you think they ever would. They hear more than you think they ever I see that they had designed destruction and deception, but then I noticed their determination in verse 22. It says, And Pharaoh charged all his people, saying, Every son that is born ye shall cast into the river, and every daughter ye shall save alive. In other words, sooner or later, Pharaoh, the mask came off. I mean, originally he was trying to do this thing subtlety. But when it was pushed, he finally said, You know what? Just throw them in the river. Can I tell you, we're reaching the throw them in the river stage. One of the lies that was told in society, I want you to listen to what I'm about to say. One of the lies that was told in society is, well, is safe, legal, and rare. I've heard conservatives talk about that. Well, safe, legal, and rare. Safe, legal, and rare. Where's that got us? Hey, it's either life or it's not life. It's either, it's either, it's either hallowed or it's not hallowed. We either believe in the sanctity of life or we don't believe in the sanctity of life. But listen, where are we at today? We're at a place today where people stand up and boast in it. We're living in a day where demon-possessed people walk around boasting in how many children that they've murdered. That's the society that we're living in today. You say, preacher, what will happen? I'll tell you this. Listen, you stand up and try to make a godly home. The devil will fight against you. You better believe he will. Sooner or later, the mask will slip. These women looked at this command. They looked at this world. They looked at this pharaoh. And they said, somebody's got to do something. 
Somebody's got to be on the side of these children. Somebody's got to make a difference in their life. And so when I read this, I read not only of the cruelty of the world, but I read of the courage of these midwives. They said, if no one else can and if no one else will, we will. What kind of courage did they have? Look at verse 17. The Bible says this, but the midwives feared God and did not as the king of Egypt commanded them, but saved the men children alive. Now, there's been a lot of debate and dispute about what they tell Pharaoh here in the next few verses. Is it a lie or is it not a lie? And you can believe anything that you want, I suppose, about it. But I'll tell you my opinion and my perspective. I think what the Bible's telling us is that exactly what they told him was true. But they had a lot of say about how quick they got to the birthing room, too. And no doubt what they were saying was also meant to chide and chasten Pharaoh that because of his hard use of the Hebrew people that they were giving birth suddenly under duress and under stress. And what she's trying to say when she reports to him later is a 100% true. But she deliberately made a point of doing everything she could to make sure those children had a chance to survive. Reminds me of this. Hey, listen, these women, they had the courage to save these children. They had the courage to do something about it. Uh, listen, the, the, the drug of inactivity, the drug of idleness is what is destroying our society. We're all sitting around waiting for somebody to do something. We're all sitting around waiting for somebody to do something. Listen, I'm not telling you we need to charge into the breach this morning. But I am telling you this, if we want to see God change lives around us, we better quit waiting for somebody else to show up and be a witness to somebody. And we better start being a witness to somebody. If we want, listen, if we want to rescue this next generation, we better quit waiting for the public school to show up and do it and quit waiting for the after school special to show up and do it. Quit waiting for Hollywood to straighten up and do it and realize it's going to be up to us to impact this next generation. I see, man, they had the courage to save. They said, we may not be able to do everything, but we can do something. We can in some way throw out a lifeline. We can in some way do something in some small semblance, in some small part to make a difference in these young people's lives. They had the courage to save. Then I see verse number 18. The Bible says this, The king of Egypt called for the midwives and said unto them, Why have you done this thing and have saved the men children alive? And I just can't help but in my mind see this image of these two women standing there before the most powerful man in the world and looking him level in the eye. And it reminds me of this. They had the courage not only to save, but they had the courage to stand before the king. Hey, listen, we need to take a stand. (laughs) we got to take a stand. I I, I mean, what are we going to stand on? What are we waiting on? What's your line? You listening to me? What's your line? What's it going to take for you to say, this is enough, I'm standing on truth? We have seen truth so warped and and twisted and abused in our society. And somehow we've always made excuses why that it's okay. But can I tell you something? Young people need to see adults that take a stand on truth. They need to see how can we expect young people to see that truth is true if we won't even live as though truth is true. And I love the fact that these women, they stood in the face of this man, the most powerful walking the earth. And they stood in the day of examination and they stood in the day of trial and of testing. Uh, you'll never, hmm, my soul, you'll never fail your kids more than when you quit. Because you don't just fail them in whatever you're leading them in, but you set an example for them that they can quit and it'll be okay. When you quit on God, you fail them more 
then you fail them in any other way. I, listen, I, and I hope, listen, I hope your kids, I hope they grow up, knock out gorgeous, rich, wealthy, educated beyond anybody's comprehension and, and, and can throw a football two miles. You ready? I mean, I, I hope that for you. I'm not against that. I think that's great. I think that's fine. But let me tell you, you can give them all those things. But if they've seen you live spotty, inconsistent, quitting on God, never faithful, never steadfast, it don't matter what else you've given them, you have failed them. By the same token, if you'll stand in consistency, you may not be able to give them all those things, but you'll have given them something far more valuable. And listen, you mothers in heart this morning, you say, Preacher, God didn't give me any children over whom I can have an example. Oh, you'd be surprised. I listen, all these little ones running around this church, I mean, we, we, I don't know, I, I guess we think they look at us and think we're aliens or something. But they're watching what we're doing, how we live and how we behave. I, you say, preacher, does anybody notice when I miss church? Some of these young people do. Some of these young people do. You think they don't notice? You think they're not looking and seeing? Hey, listen, when we, when we lose our, our spirit and our testimony, our attitude, you think these young people don't see? When we gossip, when we backbite, when we treat people nasty, you think they don't see? They're learning. They're seeing how adulthood looks. And they're learning it from us. Hey, listen, they, they had the courage to stand on truth. But then I see this, verse 19. The Bible says, The midwife said unto Pharaoh, Because the Hebrew women are not as the Egyptian women, for they are lively and are delivered ere the midwives come in unto them. I don't know about you. I guess if I'd been standing there, I wouldn't have been able to say nothing. My knees would have been knocking. I'd have been nervous. I wouldn't have known what to say or what to do. But these women spoke up boldly in this day. And it reminds me of this. They had courage not only to save and to stand, but to speak. They had courage to tell truth. This has become a popular thing in these days. You know, all the communists talk about speaking truth to power. It's it's funny. It's funny to see all these anti-establishment rock and roll stars being mouthpieces for the government, isn't it? Hey, any of you baby boomers disappointed in in the hippies yet? Amen. (laughs) We're anti-establishment. Yeah, and then the government comes and says, put this on your Twitter page. Yes, sir. Absolutely, I will. What a, what a, what a facade. What a fake that it all was and that it all is. It's never about that. It was always about socialism and collectivism is about control of people. It's always been about that. It ain't never been about sit-ins and peace songs and love for everybody. It ain't never been about all that. It was always about controlling people. That's always been. That's what, that's what collectivism and socialism has always been about is controlling people. And it's funny to see in this world that is, is trying its best to be counterculture while also being thoroughgoingly establishment. To watch the, the disconstance, the inconsistency, the hypocrisy of all of that. Can I tell you, listen, you really want to shake this world up? Uh, begin to speak the truth of God's Word to people. You'd be amazed. You'll find out real quick where people stand. You'll find out real quick what people value. You'll find out real quick what people think. And these women were bold enough and brave enough to stand. And, and, and they, this is what I was getting at. I, sometimes I preach and I go this way a little ways and that way a little ways. But here's a popular saying that we hear from the progressive movement today. Speaking truth to power. Now what they really mean by that is speaking the truth that power wants you to speak. But here's a group of women that are standing before the most powerful man in the world. And they speak the truth to him. And I'll tell you this, one of the greatest things you can do for your children, fathers, mothers, mothers by birth, mothers in heart, one of the greatest things you can do for this next generation is tell the truth. No matter what it costs you. 
I don't just mean in the big principles of life, but I mean even in your everyday dealings. Uh, listen, don't be surprised if your kid's a liar if you lie. You're teaching them how to lie. Uh, don't, don't be surprised if they have no regard for truth if you've been the truth. Because you're teaching them that it's just something, a, a weapon, a, a resource to be used for your own purpose and for your own advancement. I see these women, man, they had courage not only to save and to stand, but to speak. But then notice finally, and I'm done, verse number 20. I love verses 20 and 21. The Bible says this, therefore. Now, a Bible preacher once said the therefores are there for a reason. Don't miss them. Therefore. In other words, because these women were willing to impact the next generation. Though they had not birthed any children, they said that will not stop us from loving these children and trying to make a difference in their life. And therefore, because they were willing to do that, the Bible says, therefore, God dealt well with the midwives. The people multiplied and waxed very mighty. And it came to pass because the midwives feared God that He made them houses. I see in this passage not just the cruelty of the world and the courage of the midwives, but I see the commendation of the Lord. The Lord was pleased. The Lord was pleased. Man, that ought to be enough. The Lord was pleased. Hey, listen, listen, that mother in heart out there that says, well, you know, God's never blessed me with children. Uh, find some young person to love on, to make a difference in their life, to point them towards Christ. God's pleased with that. God's honored by that. We can either sit around lamenting and, and, and cursing against the path that God has chosen for us or begin to look at it and say, you know, maybe God is equipping me for... You, you know you know why women with children weren't midwives? They're just taking care of their children. And you understand that an entire generation of boys would have never been born had it not been for the barrenness of these women. Now you say, well, preacher, that ain't fair and I don't understand it and I don't presume to be God this morning. But I do presume to tell you God knows what He's doing. And He has a purpose and plan in everything that He does. And when we come to the end of this passage, we don't find out that they're the worst for it. We find out in many ways they're better off than many of the women whose children they had helped birth into this world. Notice three things about it. Number one, God blessed their lives. God dealt well with the midwives. Boy, I'd love for that to be said about my life. And I will tell you in many ways I feel like God has done not just well but beyond well with my life. But I find that in this passage, hey, Pharaoh did not deal well with them. But that didn't matter because God did did uh, do well with them. And I'll just tell you, listen, the sooner you'll become more, more concerned and more focused on the opinion and approval of God than you are on the opinion and approval of the world, the more you'll enjoy the liberty you have in Christ and the more you'll enjoy the richness of God's blessings in your life. didn't matter that... Pharaoh was not pleased. It didn't matter that the leadership of Egypt was not pleased. God was pleased, and that's all that mattered to them. And I'll tell you, at the end of the day, if you'll say, my life is about pleasing Him, no matter the path I take, no matter, no matter what I have to endure and experience, if I can please Him, then I am well pleased. Then you'll enjoy the same blessings they had. God blessed their lives. They weren't wanting anything. They weren't needing anything. God met their needs. It also, by the way, tells us how much God prioritizes the nurturing of children. God said, hey, you're nurturing children. I'll get in on that. I'll help you do that. I'll bless you in that. I'll provide for you in that. I see, man, God blessed their life. But then I like the end of verse number 20. It says this, the people multiplied and waxed very mighty. 
Now, when you read that, it's tempting to just view that as just a boilerplate statement. That statement's made several times about the children of Israel. And probably when you read that, that's sort of sterile. It's sort of like, well, you know, yeah, the people just grew and waxed mighty and everything. And that would have been how most people would have felt, but probably not their midwives. Probably they would have felt very delighted when they say all those little baby boys running around tearing up Egypt from foundation to shingle. <laughs> One of the things that I enjoy, I enjoy the kids of our church. Sometimes they aggravate me like they aggravate you. Sometimes I have to get on to them. Sometimes they try to tear everything all to pieces. But I'd a lot rather have that than a dead church. And I know you would too. I understand that. I'm not, I'm not chiding you this morning. I'm just saying, you imagine, and I see it sometimes, especially with, with, with some of the older people, how it delights them to see all these young people running around. And, 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 and listen, it does my heart well to see all these. I, I love it. I, I love you all having more children. I think that's wonderful. I think it's the will of God and I'm for it. I think it's a wonderful thing. It delights my pastor's heart because I remember the day when the only child we had is this teenage girl sitting right over here. She's the only child in the church. It's a lot quieter back then. If she was the only one we still had, it'd be a lot quieter today. Amen. And I've seen God grow and bless our church and far beyond my capability or means. I've seen God enrich our congregation and I just delight in it. I love it and... And in many ways, when I see God do that, I feel like God is blessing and honoring the labors of His people. And no doubt these women, when they saw all those little babies running around, they knew God had blessed their labors. It's interesting you think about that word play. These are women that had never been in labor, but they had labored. And God had in many ways wrought more life through their labor than He had through any individual woman's labors. He said, preacher, could I make a difference in a young person's life? God's not blessed me with that way. I don't have any of them carrying around my jeans. It doesn't matter. If you'll pour into their life, God will bless that. There'll be times they'll break your heart. There'll be times you'll want to rip out your hair. There'll be times they frustrate you and disappoint you. But if you stay faithful to God, pouring into their life, God will bless. I'm not saying they will bless your labors. I'm saying God will bless your labors. And God, hey, listen, He's not unrighteous to forget our labor of love. He always will bless the labors of His people. And the people multiplied and waxed very mighty. In other words, what they did made a difference. And what you do can make a difference in the lives of a young person. I see that God blessed their lives and God blessed their labors, but I love verse 21. The Bible says, And it came to pass, because the midwives feared God, that He made them houses. I want to be very, very clear with what I'm about to say. I'm not saying that if you're, if your experience in life is God's never given you children physically, I'm not telling you that if you serve the Lord, God will give you physical children. He may never do that. I'm not telling you that your lack of children is because of any sort of sin or disobedience. I don't believe that's true. I believe there's too many women in the Bible who were afflicted with barrenness of no fault of their own, of nothing they've done. There are times, of course, God did smite a people with barrenness as chasing, but there's too many women in the Bible. I, I mean, listen, you're, you're going to have to throw out Sarah. You're going to have to throw out Hannah. Uh, you're going to have to throw out so many in the Bible who were faithful to God, who we see no stain of sin on their life. I'm not telling you that that's because you've been disobedient to the Lord, and I'm not telling you being obedient to the Lord is going to change the physical nature of what your experience is. God could do that if He so chose. 
But what I find interesting here, and I think the text is suggesting that God opened these women's wombs and they began to have children, but I begin to think about women that I've known in my life whom God has used to impact the lives of young people. Listen, there's people today, there's people today, they won't call their blood mother, but they'll call some woman that loved on them and impacted their life. There's some, listen, they'll call some mammal that lived down the street from when they was growing up that wasn't their mammal. She's everybody's mammal. They'll call some woman that, that, that had been a mother and had loved on them and had cared for them and maybe they did not have a physical mother that cared about them. Maybe they had lost them to death or to disappointment in life or whatever it may be. But because this woman has made an impact in their life, she will be called exalted and blessed today on this Mother's Day. I would say it this way, God bless their lives and their labors, but God bless their legacy. These women were not forgotten. We're preaching about them today. We're talking about them today. And you imagine, hey, listen, I guarantee, man, nobody got so many cards and house plants on Mother's Day in Egypt as Shifra and Pua. I promise you, my friend, she never had to carry her groceries home. She never had to mow her lawn. She had literally untold thousands of young men who owed their lives to their labor. No doubt they rised up and called her blessed. No doubt God had given them a house, yes, but God had given them a legacy of lives they had poured into. This is true not just for men but for women in making an impact in the lives of young people. You better be careful careful how you treat children. They don't forget. They don't forget. I remember as a child, I remember, and I was never hurt, I was never abused, but I remember as a child, I remember the unkindness of some adults and I remember the kindness of others. And it's galvanized into my mind that there were some folks that took the time to be kind to me when I was a child. And I'll tell you this, you, you may feel like, well, preacher, it's all for naught. There's no reason, there's no purpose. You might be surprised what God will do. If you'll open your heart to some young person that needs somebody to love them, to care about them. This is true not only whether you have physical kids or whether you don't. It's true not just for our ladies in the room, but for men too in being a father. It's true for any and all of us in investing in the next generation for the cause of Christ. We can be, hey, listen, not just in body, not just in the physical sense, not just in a biological sense, but in our heart we can make an impact in their life. So here's what I want to ask you to do this morning. Don't let whatever your circumstance is, don't let it bitter you, let it better you. And let God use it as a path. These women, if they had had their own children, they would have never been in this position. It was through that barrenness that God used them to impact so many lives. It was through something most people would call an affliction, a scourge, a curse on their life that they turned to a blessing to be used of God to impact lives. And that may be true not just over your situation concerning your home. It could deal with a trial you're going through. It could deal with anything that you're experiencing that may be unsavory and unpleasant and unpalatable. You can choose to let it bitter you or better you. You can choose to let it be a curse or a conduit for God to work in your life. I think we ought to choose whatever our path, whatever our plot, we ought to say, God, I want to fulfill your purpose and please you. Let's bow together this morning. I'm going to let a musician come and play. And I just want you to mind the Lord this morning. I understand it's a Mother's Day message on this Mother's Day. And there could be a hundred reasons that God might have dealt with your heart about a matter. 
Going to an altar is not suggesting anything other than that you need to talk to the Lord about some matter. And I want to encourage you and invite you to meet the Lord in this altar about whatever He's dealt with you about. And ask Him to work mightily in your life. Be submissive to Him. Be obedient to Him. Let Him have His will and way that He might be pleased. Father, bless this invitation. May it magnify the Lord Jesus. We ask it in His name.